President Miner, it is 2 o'clock p.m. The recording is now on. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for being here. I'm using my gavel to call to order this regular meeting of the San Francisco Civil Service Commission on Monday, August 7, 2023 at 2 p.m. Our staff will read a statement uh, with more information about our meeting today. Thereafter, staff will tell us how we're handling public comment. Good afternoon and welcome to the Civil Service Commission meeting this Monday, August 7, 2023. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person City Hall, room 400, and available to view on WebEx if you have an item scheduled on the agenda. Public may listen to the meeting by calling 415-655-0001 and entering access code 2660-985. 6816. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment on items not on the agenda at the beginning of the meeting. And there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. Each comment is limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call in. For each item, the Commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. Commission staff will provide further instructions on how to provide public comment via phone or video. If you need assistance accessing the meeting virtually or by phone, please call 628-652-1100. Please note that city policies along with federal, state, and local law prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees and, other and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. Moreover, public comment is permitted only on matters within the jurisdiction of this meeting body. Commission staff will now provide further instructions on making public comment remotely. As stated on our agenda and our website, this meeting is being held remotely. For members who wish to listen and or make public comment, the phone number is 415-655-0001. The meeting code is 2660-985. 6816. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that you turn off any television or radio to reduce reverberation so the commission can hear you. At the appropriate time, the president will ask for the phone lines to be open. If you wish to make comment on the particular item, you'll be prompted to press star three. This will add you to the speaker line. The auto prompt will say that callers are entering question and answer time, but this is the public comment period. You will be queued up in the order in which you press star three. There will be an automated voice that will tell you when it is your turn to speak. When your microphone has been unmuted, you will hear us ask you to state your name and make your comments. Commission staff will start your three minutes when you begin talking. I will say 30 seconds and when you have 30 seconds remaining. When your time is up, I will say thank you. Next caller, please. At this point, the moderator will put you back on mute. Uh, thank you. Executive officer, we're ready for the first agenda item. Item number one, call to order and roll call. President Minor. Here. Vice President Favetti. Aye. I'm here. Excuse me. Commissioner Crawley. Present. Commissioner Salveson. And we have a quorum. Uh, thank you. We're ready for the next agenda item.
Item number two, request to speak on any matter within the jurisdiction of the Civil Service Commission, but not appearing on today's agenda. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on any item within the jurisdiction of the Civil Service Commission, but not on the agenda today. If you have public comment, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. And there appears to be no public comment in our hearing room. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item number three, approval of minutes, regular meeting of July 17, 2023. Recommendation, adopt the minutes. Uh, commissioners, any edits, changes, comments on our minutes of July 17, 2023? If not, we'll take a motion and a second to approve the minutes. I move adoption of the minutes. Second. We have a motion to approve the minutes. Uh, if you're in the room and have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. The roll call vote to approve the minutes of our meeting of July 17, 2023. Um, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Savison? And I vote aye. We have approved our minutes of our meeting of July 17, 2023. We're ready for the next agenda item. Item four, announcements, announcements of changes to the agenda. Um, I have four announcements. The first one has to do uh, with PSC 43182-2223. This is item number eight on the agenda. Uh, this is for the uh, PSC submitted by the city administrator. On the agenda, we have the incorrect amount of $4 billion. It should actually be $4 million as uh, the amount of this particular PSC request. Also, on the regular agenda, there is uh, one appeal that has been postponed. Item 14, appeal by Eric Eliasson. Uh, the Department of Human Resources has requested a postponement due to pending grievance. Those are the two changes. Okay. Thank you. We're ready for the next agenda item. Item five, human resources director's report. Uh, thank you, Director Biaspis. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Good afternoon, President Minor, Vice President Vivetti, members of the commission and executive officer Ng. Anna Biaspis, Employment Services Director, here on behalf of Director Eisen to present the human resources director's report. I have quite a few items for you today. First, I wanted to provide you with a few updates on a few ongoing DHR activities in line with our CCT programs, continuous testing programs, and others that are all in an effort to speed up hiring and infilling our city's high number of vacancies. So the first item I'd like to talk about is the exempt to permanent update, also known as E2P. As of Friday, August 4th, 478 permanent appointments have been made off of our E2P eligible lists. 
In addition, there are currently 57 active referrals. 56 other appointments, permanent appointments have been made to category 18 eligibles using the regular CBT and PBT processes. With these numbers, we are looking at a combined total of 591 anticipated transitions from category 18 to permanent status. Next, I wanted to give you an update on the 1820 and 1822 administrative analyst series, the first two classifications. As we've reported, the citywide post referral selection process for 1820 and 1822 has been a huge effort that seeks to fill approximately 65 vacancies across a dozen departments. DHR has over a dozen staff supporting this recruitment, along with 115 subject matter experts also supporting application screenings and panel interviews throughout the city. I'm pleased to announce that the first offer was extended to um, to fill one of our 1820 positions, repre representing a total hiring timeline from publication of the CCT job ad to hire of 99 days. This is notably shorter than the median time to hire of 210 days uh, for all 1820 PCS hires that were made in fiscal year 22 and 23. Application screens and first round of panel interviews were already completed for other 1820 recruitments. Um, we've sent out surveys to semifinalists and hiring managers to do a job matching exercise, and they've been completed. After we actually do the matching uh, based on preferences of the hiring manager and the um, the candidates, um, the final round of interviews, if which is optional, can begin next week. As for the 1822 application screenings of 667 eligibles have been completed and the first round of interviews are on, underway. Uh, now, with the 1241 and 1244 human, an human resources analyst series, as of Monday, July 31st, DHR adopted the initial um, continuous testing eligible list with 1042 eligibles. The initial referral for 12 approved vacant positions was issued on Friday, August 4th. The good news is that many of these vacant positions were recently filled through provisional recruitments, so most departments don't even have to conduct a post-referral selection process to give their provisionals an opportunity to transition to permanent status in accordance with Civil Service Commission rules. They simply just have to pick them up, this rule of the list, so they are all reachable. Um, as for the 1244, DHR has marketed the job postings on various social media and HR-related sites. As of today, we received 407 applications. Uh, DHR anticipates uh, conducting a cut, cut score analysis um, later this week and hopes to have an eligible list adopted by next week. 7334 stationary engineer 
as you know, we've reported it's continuous testing rule of the list. Um, the continuous testing job ad was published on Monday, July 31st. As of today, 33 applications have been submitted and are in various stages of the exam process. DHR is collaborating with airport to track sources of applicants to further conduct recruitment efforts. Of course, we will keep you posted on this as we do with other CCT recruitments on the progress of it. Um, 18440 series, which is management assistant series. Several meetings ago, DHR announced that it was targeting June or July 2023 to launch the CCT program. However, due to a recent change in minimum qualifications, removing the specific course work requirements for the degree to be more inclusive and to in an effort to gain more qualified candidates, the launch of the CCT has been delayed until the end of this month. Um, the good news is, I always like to throw in good news. Um, the good news is that we still have current active eligible lists for the series and we are encouraging departments to utilize them to fill their vacancies prior to the launch of the CCTs. Finally, I also wanted to provide the commission with a comment regarding the proposed rule changes. Um, under the regular agenda for today's meeting are action items, specifically action items 11 through 13 pertaining to the proposed rule changes for volume one through four with a recommendation from the executive officer to incorporate um, excuse me, incorporate proposed changes um, made by the commission and adopt all changes. While we agree to move forward with these changes, the Department of Human Resources would like to remind the commissioners of its general concerns that some of the rule changes added by the commission may weaken the effectiveness of DHR's initial intent to expedite hiring. We also previously mentioned that the 20 business day goal of resolving referrals may not be practical and may present a burden in reporting out for example, any classifications that require backgrounding or uh, medicals um, are very unlikely to resolve a referral in 20 business days. DHR will analyze the impact of the rule changes and come back to the commission if any are determined to be ineffective in expediting hiring. This concludes my human resources director's report. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much, uh, Director Biaspis. Uh, commissioners, uh, questions or comments for Director Biaspis? Vice President Favetti. One, thank you. congratulations on the progress. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And you should, there should be many kudos to DHR and the staff and all those who are participating. That's number one. Number two, I'm always delighted because when I get my LinkedIn notifications, I get notifications of jobs from the city and county of San Francisco. So I'm I just can't wait till I can apply. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, although this is a substantial thing and we're going to be hearing the items, I don't know if I should wait for my comments. I just wanted to remind DHR that the rule change with regard to the 20 days has an automatic extension built into it and DHR can, as a policy, extend for those that are more complicated and that was it's not a drop dead this is you know this is mostly focused for those that are very simple certifications that they should be done in 20 days 
they are aspirational as far as the backgrounds. Um, and just a reminder that the DHR can have that there's the provision within the rule for extensions. Thank you, Vice President Favetti. I also wanted to thank you for your comments, though, because it's, you know, it's important to know that and it's important to monitor. Thank you. Uh, any additional comments, questions? Uh, Director Biaspas, um, the the eighteen twenty positions mm -hmm. where you indicated that um, the hiring was completed in ninety nine days, mm -hmm. I believe, was the date. for the first hire. Yes, for the first one. Yes, <laughs> not for the entire group. Not for right. the entire group. I'd like to say that, but it's yes, just for the yes. first hire. Um, I am curious about whether there's anything you can share more specifically about how that one got to 99 days. And also, if there is uh, a review to see how come it wasn't shorter. Okay, so I have to admit, I did get this information from a team. Right, of course. <laughs> and um, I can tell you that um, the, we did go through an extensive process for this particular position. I'm, I don't know the details into how the hire was made first, but mm -hmm. you know, as we presented in the past, um, or at least maybe not to the commission to to other meetings, is uh, what we did was we did. Um, we had a whole bunch of subject matter experts that went through a tight timeline and screening like over 1200, 1700 applications um, to screen down for what's the best fit by functional area. Functional area, for example, could be um, data, budget, et cetera. Uh, a few people based on the screening process, some made it to go to the interview process. There were um, so many panels uh, put together for the interview process. And again, we we standardized some of the questions, you know, um, for exams, they're always standardized, right? Um, but we decided to go ahead and standardize the questions in the post referral um, questionnaire or not questionnaire post referral interview process. And so a lot of it we got through quickly with this particular hire, I'd have to get back to you on how it was offered first. Maybe it was a better fit first or, the, or, but I, I can't begin to tell you the specific for that one position. Okay, thank you. As you provide additional reports in the future, it would just be interesting to see uh, some kind of post review to see how you got there in X number of days, and then to look more specifically at what could change to shorten the process. Yes, this further. is definitely um, the first time we're doing this, and mm -hmm. so we are having meetings to talk about what worked and what didn't work, mm -hmm. what we could do for the next round. So we are we are definitely doing that, and um, I'm happy to share um, with the commission. Thank you. Please. Thank you. And thank you for your work. Uh, we are making progress. The progress is very clear. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any additional comments? Uh, 
If not, we will uh, open up for public comment on uh, Director Biaspis's report to the commission. If you have public comment, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. And no public comment in the room. We are ready to next to move to the next agenda item. President Minor. Yes. I, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I actually have an answer to your question. Oh, very good. <laughs> thank you. Because my staff, and I'm going to give him credit, Sean Sherburn, Assistant Director of Employment Services, just texted me the information. The reason we got to that hire so quickly is, is there were fewer candidates available for that functional area. So the screening was a lot faster. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're ready for the next agenda item. Item six, executive officers report, processing and scheduling of appeals before the civil service commission. Uh, recommendation open for discussion. Commissioners, just as a reminder at the meeting of May 1st, 2023, the commission was provided an overview of the appeals process and how appeals are scheduled. And it included uh, some recommendations. And uh, at that meeting, the commission directed the executive officer to meet with departments to see if some of these recommendations can uh, is a possibility. And I have to say that with the opportunity to meet with DHR management and also MTA management, and there were a few other uh, departments who eagerly wanted to also provide their input um, that um, I provide to you what is uh, revised recommendations and the possibilities. Some things I do want to point out that I found consistent uh, when meeting uh, with different uh, managers has to do with the concern that uh, if a department were to request uh, a postponement request that it would only be a two-week extension. When we discussed it further, we realized asking for a two-week extension with the fact that staff reports are due 11 days before, we realized they don't really gave the department about three extra days. So, on my recommendation, I uh, did change it to uh, a 1 month. Uh, so, if the department were to request their 1st postponement, it would be 1 month and then after that, uh, providing us updates, depending on the circumstances. Um, the other, um, what, what I want to point out to you has to do with uh, a recent meeting we had with Rico, who um, we are in the process of setting up are very much updated advanced document management system. I say advanced because our previous one was from, I believe 2000, might've been 2010 or so. So it's been quite a few years. And um, it was due to our deputy director having discussions with them about the having creating an appeals uh, database that it looks like it may be a possibility. We have to have schedule uh, more meetings with them, but uh, it 
puts us on a much more hopeful side only because when we share what we would like to see, they would like to find out more, but they think it is possible, especially when we first looked into it, we were given a quote of 70,000, which the department does not have 70,000 for, but with recall document management, that was planned way in advance. So it, it's possible to include that in our package. And if we continue uh, having a, a small budget for professional services, they may each year be able to add something new and expand as we go along. The other thing that uh, was also brought to their attention if it's possible to create uh, a fillable form. We were looking more at um, staff reports because that's something that we can share with other departments. It does not necessarily have to be a publicly uh, available to the system. So uh, they also mentioned that uh, that may be a possibility. So. That's the exciting part there about what we thought was a much more in the future wish list that uh, talking with Rico, those are matters that we hope to update you further as we spend more time working with them. Uh, going back to the recommendations, I'm just going to read this just for those who just may be calling in. Uh, continue conducting in-person citywide training on preparing and presenting staff reports responding to appeals to the commission. We already have uh, actually uh, several scheduled trainings uh, this month. Departments are very eager and so are the unions to have uh, in-person training, which is what we're trying to do. Extension requests due to grievance, arbitration, litigation, pending settlement agreements or similar will require departmental status updates from the department to commission staff monthly until resolve and scheduling of the appeal within 30 days of the resolution. I also included here because the question was asked from our May 1st meeting, 17.6% of the appeals from fiscal year 2023 were due to these delays. Provide a one month extension to departments for delayed appeal responses due to staffing issues. A second request for delay due to staffing issues will require a department representative appear before the commission to provide justification for their extension requests and to inform the commission of the meeting date they will be prepared for the hearing. Um, sharing this with some of the departments, uh, they acknowledge that um, it is nervous sometimes coming before the commission, but this was something that they want to work on because they realize in doing so, it keeps it fresh in their mind. And if there is a transition from a former manager to the new HR uh, director, that it will always be on the top of their list. So appeals will not be forgotten. Uh, the next recommendation commission staff will send approximately two week reminders before the staff report due date. Uh, the next one, departments who do not meet the deadlines, for example, monthly status updates, extension requests, staff report due dates for reporting to the commission will be scheduled to appear at the following commission meeting to provide an explanation. Now, this may sound as a, a harsh recommendation for some departments, but what we have learned from experience is that when departments are having difficulty 
uh, providing timely responses, whether it's appeal or an inspection service request, especially if it involves corrective action. Once we inform the department that it is part of our procedure to schedule this before the commission, uh, departments find that they will readily receive support back up from their department head and the matter will be addressed immediately. Um, something like this, that if uh, the commission agrees to this recommendation, my plan is to set up a memo so when it becomes effective, everyone will be prepared. It will not be a surprise. So everyone has time to work on whatever pending appeals that they do have to quickly get that scheduled so this situation would never happen for them. Um, I already shared with you the electronic appeals database system. Uh, appellants e-file their appeal and the database captures and tracks all pending appeals through the appeals process, generating auto email alerts and reminders to commission staff and to the effective departments when appeals are filed and staff reports are due. With appellants being able to e-file online, that is something that we may have to look at service now, meaning uh, the Department of Technology because um, because the public will have access to it. So that is something we're still working on. And then the next one, potentially when the capability is available in SFGov, uh, online appeal filing. And then, as I mentioned before with RICO, they said it's a possibility we may be able to uh, create fillable PDF staff reports similar to having a template available to help guide our analysts when preparing the staff reports. Okay. <laughs> Executive officer, thank you and thank you for your work in bringing this item back to us. Uh, commissioners, any questions or comments? Commissioner Salveson. Thank you. <clears throat> um, thank you for your work on this, uh, executive officer. Um, just had a couple questions on the um, bullet point you were just talking about the electronic appeals database system. What do we have now? Is it just manual creating a chart? Uh, it is manual and it's using an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, so that's what it exists currently. So when an appellant is filing their appeal, then how do you receive it? Just in email or regular mail? Correct, by email, regular mail, or, uh, well, we are now have appellants visiting our office again. So yes, they will come in. And then, um, so the RICO system would allow them to, what would it allow them to do differently than they do now? Anything? Perhaps our deputy director, who is much more knowledgeable on this, can answer that question. Thank you, um, Commissioner Salveson. The RICO system will allow us to uh, accept an appeal online. Is it? The RICO system will allow us to accept an appeal online. So through the portal, it's a web, uh, web base, a cloud base um, portal. And so we would be then allowed, uh, able to accept an appeal through the portal. Um, and then we could set up forms within the portal, like the notices that we send to, um, to DHR and to the appellant and to MTA that we've received the appeal. 
So the database, if we're able to do that, would then be to store the information. Okay, and then um, you mentioned in the future, SFGov might, might have the capability. So that would be like a substitute for the RICO system? If we went to ServiceNow, which is the uh, service provider for a lot of the cloud storage um, work that the city is doing right now, we would have to then transfer the information over um, from the, it's RICO and LaserFish, so it's a LaserFish system right now. But when we talked to um, DT about the ServiceNow system, it was cost prohibitive and it wasn't approved in the budget. I'm just wondering what the advantage is to the SFGov idea down the road compared to the RICO. They're both cloud-based systems. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I think with the ServiceNow system, it would allow us to interface with other departments, which the LaserFish system does not. It would just be an internal um, web design for our own employees. Okay. So it's just a better way for us to receive documents, store documents, and respond then. Okay, thank you. And then another question I had um, on a different topic was uh, the training that you do, the citywide training on um, preparing and presenting staff reports. Is that a time consuming effort? And I'm just worried about our, um, you know, our fairly small staff and their ability to do this. It is definitely a time consuming effort preparing for this type of uh, training. I have to say from our experience though, the outcome that we see from this type of training and um, what we are teaching our analysts and our union representatives, they quickly become much more familiar about the role of the Civil Service Commission, how the rules are applied, especially in our training, especially when it comes to appeals and staff report. Um, we also, after we have our uh, discussion on how it works, we actually have exercises that put our analysts in the position of they are presenting before the commission. Some of them will role play being a commissioner, some will role play being the appellant, and we see how quickly we have witnessed it, how everyone has suddenly become much more aware of why certain things are done when uh, presenting uh, uh, appeals uh, to the commission, especially from the feedback. The training, when we started doing this, was a two-hour training. Then we had to extend it for two and a half hours. The training started reaching three hours, and the feedback we were getting from our own analysts and the union representatives, they wished the training was longer because they were grasping so much and the idea of having civil service commission staff to answer all their questions regarding appeals, they found it as, um, it was as rewarding for them. And seeing that it just made me realize because of all the citywide meetings that I have the fortunately been invited to, I'm quickly learning that 
there is much more that we need to collaborate with the departments, the HR staff, the department heads. Appeals is just one small subject, but just from our experience doing that, and we realize it's time consuming. And no, we do not charge for these uh, trainings, but I have to say, we see a remarkable difference um, after doing these trainings. It just makes it difficult when employees need to contact us or the unions. Uh, it is different nowadays, I have to say, after COVID-19 with technology, uh, that um, just because the ability to virtually meet and um, now even during a commission meeting, I will get requests Sandra, we need to talk to you right away, situations like that. But it does help us spread ourselves around a little bit more than before due to technology. But we're hoping that if we conduct enough of these trainings, that they will go ahead and pass this training on to their colleagues, the new people who come in. And we've seen some departments who will ask, can we just borrow your PowerPoint presentation and do that? We just notice the difference is that when questions come up, it always comes back to us in the end. Okay. Well, hopefully there will be, um, you know, some absorption of the training so that you're not just reinventing the wheel all the time. But uh, I'm sure you're looking at ways to make it as um, efficient as possible. Uh, and then a comment on the. Um, you know, you one at the last bullet point was fillable PDF staff reports. And I think that's a good idea. Uh, I think, you know, in some cases, you know, we could identify what what we really need for, for example, for an appeal, the information, the regular information we want, the kind of documents we want, and you know, in some cases, the commission might be able to hear an appeal just receiving those um, without. And then the, the verbal presentation, but maybe maybe that's all we would need. But I, I think that's a good direction. Um, and then my other um, two other comments. One is, mm -hmm. uh, in the case of uh, grievances, arbitration, litigation, pending settlement agreements, I, I think we've talked about creating some guidelines on that as a commission, and I think we need to do that. But in general, if uh, extensions are being given because of that, I think the commission does need to get a regular report of what that is. I think in some cases, for example, when we're talking about future employment restrictions, in most cases, if there's agreements or an arbitration pending, we're gonna delay until that's resolved. Litigation is kind of a individualized. It depends what the litigation is. It depends what's at issue. and what the hearing uh, what the matter before the commission would be it doesn't necessarily mean we wouldn't we would delay it so i think um you know we need to spend some time on that but um but at least getting a report of what is pending because of those reasons i think the commission needs that um and then um the final thing is on the the one month delay for an extension uh, to the departments. I think that's okay, but I would say up to one month because in some cases they may request, they only want two weeks or whatever. Not everybody may want a month. So I would just change the wording to say up to a month. <coughs> I, 
suggestion. I think those are my comments. Okay, hey. uh, Commissioner Savison, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Crawley. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, echo the thoughts of my colleague back on the bill when it comes to grievance, mediation, arbitration. I think that's an important tool that we should have mm -hmm. forward. Uh, the question, just a clarification. Um, if we were to use uh, the potential when the capability SF gov sheet, did I hear you say that um, the appellant would receive receipt vis-a-vis -vis that as accepting the appeal from this office? And if so, is there a CC or BCC to the affiliated um, craft or uh, service-oriented union that they may be affiliated to as an attached that this is in the process if they're not handling the grievance or arbitration. So, um, as we're doing it manually now, that is the practice. We automatically CC if there is a representative as, um, if we get to the point, uh, where we can work with service now, which. It's been exciting working with ServiceNow already as it is with the PSC database. Um, we would, we would definitely want to do to CC any whoever the appellant lists as a representative. Process with those fillable points or or potential with the SFGov website that that the appeal we've seen through the days or days it takes to clear that from the file? Pardon me? You can build that into the requirements? Yes. Yes. Thank you, no further uh, questions. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Crawley. Uh, any additional questions? Um, I do have one comment um, and thank you for this work and um, the additional insights provided in response to Commissioner Salveson's questions. Um, the extensions, the extension requests, um, given the timeline associated with grievances, arbitrations, um, litigation, pending settlements, um, my view is that a quarterly report would be sufficient rather than requiring a monthly update. Um, I don't know if the other commissioners agree with me, but I'm looking, you know, we want to look at ways not to add paperwork requirements to the departments, but um, having paid attention, the years I've been on the commission, to these delays, they tend to be at least a year, um, at least a year, and many of them are longer than that. Um, so I would make that suggestion that, uh, at least throw it out to the other commissioners, that the report be quarterly. When you're mentioning the quarterly report, you're referring to the quarterly report to the commission, correct? Um, in the second line 
updates from the department to commission staff, and it says monthly mm -hmm. instead of monthly. I'm suggesting quarterly. Okay. What um, we can change that to quarterly. Uh, what I did not uh, add when Commissioner Savison was asking the questions is we were really thinking about. Uh, the department. So, when we had mentioned about uh, providing, basically, they would be emailing monthly updates. Um, this has to do with. We're, we're very, we realize that the challenges that are facing some of our departments right now, especially when a new HR director comes into the department and then we found that. There was also new staff, so there were outstanding appeals that they were not aware of until the commission started doing their monthly updates, contacting every single department that had a pending appeal. We were trying to think of ideas to assist the department. So not only is the appeal at the top, and it's always kept in mind that if there is change in management or staffing that our new HR directors will not have to face the challenges that we are now seeing them do where these were outstanding appeals that were under the former HR director and they, the staff did not even realize there were outstanding appeals until we started sending our monthly emails. So it was really, and when the suggestion about reminding our staff reminding departments two weeks before the staff report is due. Mm -hmm. We're trying to trigger ways that we can assist all the city departments that have pending appeals uh, because we're finding that it isn't until they get the monthly updates uh, from our staff and sometimes our staff will still not even receive response. It is not until that email comes directly from me that we finally do get a response. So that's why we had mentioned uh, monthly. So it's always at the top of their mind. And if, you know, the HR director is about to retire and they haven't hired a new HR director that the staff will also be fully aware there's still this pending appeal. Um, so you've, you've vetted these recommendations with uh, MTA, DHR, and, and a few other departments. Yes. Can you share what, what kind of reaction you received to this uh, monthly reporting? Um, actually, uh, it was different with DHR labor relations because unbeknownst to me, um, they were not made aware of every future employee restriction or every settlement agreement so forth because it would be the city attorney's office. Um, but they are only aware of uh, when there is arbitration, then they're familiar with. So that's why it helped to speak with the labor relations in the, in some of the, the departments and they actually appreciate it because many of them happen to be new uh, managers or directors in their department. And they said it would have greatly helped them if they knew from the beginning, because even their staff didn't know there were outstanding appeals that if this was done, it would, the whole department would be aware of it. And, they 
would not have to come before the commission finding out it's an outstanding appeal from eight years ago because it's something they would have addressed right away. And the only response uh, where I said there was hesitation, they said that it is going to be difficult at the beginning coming for the commission to explain why they need to request a second postponement, uh, something like that. But if it's only just emailing commission staff that there's still uh, a pending agreements on the following appeals, uh, that would not be undue hardship for them. Okay. Um, since it has been vetted with other department with with several departments, and the response was, as you've indicated, then I'll withdraw the suggestion of quarterly in lieu of monthly. Okay. Uh, commissioners, any additional comments, questions? Are we ready to move forward with a motion? Just one question. Mm -hmm. Do would you want to have um, regular reports to the commission on a annual, quarterly, or every six months, or just with the normal reporting with the executive director? I guess. Um, well, currently we we get the appeals update report. Is that quarterly or annually? Um. For this, or I was going to say, for last fiscal year, after we uh, the year end report was given, and we saw how low the percentage was, the number of appeals being resolved, the commissioners asked for a quarterly report. Before then, it was a, a semi-annual report. Now. Keep in mind that the year end report will be coming up at the next meeting. The, I can give you a hint. There's good news. Dramatic difference in the number of appeals resolved. The commissioners may want to change it to semi annual or um, because once uh, if the commission approves the recommendations, then I will actually put out a memo to give departments time prepared for what they will be responsible for. And um, when you hear the year end report, there has been a dramatic change from just one year ago uh, in terms of the percentage of appeals being resolved. I, I have to give credit to our uh, new HR managers and directors, who, meaning new in the department, who have made incredible differences as you're beginning to hear a lot of them they are cleaning up and catching up so um, if the commission wants to do continue to do quarterly we can do that um, or we can do uh, semi-annual as we have done in the past so vice president favetti were you interested in additional reporting not necessarily then it would be at their next meeting at the year end report mm -hmm. that we can determine how many um, just to keep a highlight or not, no highlight, or just to get a, keep a monitoring on it. That's okay. All right. Uh, Commissioner Salveson. I was going to make a motion to approve the recommendations um, with the one change and the third bullet point to say provide up to a one month extension to the departments. I'll second that. 
So we have a motion and a second to approve the recommended changes in processing and scheduling of appeals uh, with one change to the recommendations from the executive officer. Uh, that's bullet three provided provide up to one month extension and it has been second. We will now take public comment. If you have public comment on the pending motion, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. We have no public comment. We will now move to the roll call vote on the pending motion to adopt the proposed changes in processing and scheduling of appeals. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have uh, adopted uh, as amended the proposed recommendations from the executive officer, our executive officer for processing and scheduling of appeals. Uh, Commission staff, thank you. Thank you for your work. Um, we are ready for the next agenda item. Item seven, response to the civil grand jury report, recommendation open for discussion. And if just for the record, I just want to call out the attention that the city attorney sitting in with us for this item will be John Givner. Hello, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, so commissioners, um, uh, the packet was provided to you. Um, we had hoped that we would focus on uh, the draft that would be uh, the commission's responses to F2, F6, and F8, finding two, finding six, and finding eight. Um, and so we are open for any comments, discussions. Commissioner Salveson. Thank you. Um, couple of questions on F2, uh, which is, the city hiring process takes too long. And then the response uh, says um, that the Civil Service Commission proposed rule changes uh, that we'll be um, considering later in this meeting will significantly reduce the hiring timeframes. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, have we analyzed how, how much time is saved by those rule changes? Um, we do not have the exact date about how much time. We only have the data that was provided by DHR when the rural proposals uh, were made, initially made. Um, I don't know whether our DHR representative has any um, input on the amount of time to be changed in the in the hiring timeline by those rule changes. So. I just wanted to say um, that was part of our comment, the comment in the HR director's report, our initial um, rule changes had it under the discretion of the um, human resources director, the timelines for whether it's posting NOI, NOC, all of the timelines. 
Um, and we did have an, a total amount, um, but now that we've, uh, the commission has made changes, we have not, we don't have an estimated timeframe. We used one of our largest recruitments to show how much we could potentially save, but because it's not implemented, uh, at least yet, um, we'd have to, you know, put together the policy for an instruct departments what they should do or shouldn't do, uh, for, like when they could post three days, when they could post, um, when they, they're required to post five days, 10 days. Um, we don't have that time frame right now, or we haven't had it calculated. Okay. I might, I might, if I were writing this, suggest that we say that the rule changes, um, are expected to significantly reduce the hiring timeframes since uh, that's what we're hoping for, but or anticipating they're not implemented yet. So we're we're not uh, sure exactly of that magnitude. Yeah. Um, let's see. On F six, uh, that finding it is difficult to evaluate the success of the city's hiring strategy due to lack of transparency in the hiring process. And then the comment, uh, the response is disagree partially, and then um, staff is unsure if the difficulty, if this difficulty is due to lack of transparency, given the fact that we require regular reports on significant merit system markers. The question I had on this is, did the grand jury contact or interview the CSC staff with respect to this particular um, report that they did? According to the civil grand jury report um, that is, has been made available to the public, they spoke with one commissioner and one commission staff. Okay, so I mean, I would be comfortable with pointing out that there wasn't a lot of, or we weren't perhaps even asked about this, and that's part of the reason why that this may be new information for them, or just indicate that it may be new information to them because we're not aware that they requested the information. I, but I don't, I don't know exactly what um, you know interviews were done or what information passed, but that's just a comment. Uh, I, I couldn't begin to say how you, we might want to revise the language because it seems squishy. It just seemed odd to me that perhaps the civil service or the um, grand jury hadn't gotten this information and we we're providing it to them for the first time so, because they hadn't really spent much time thinking about the civil service rules. I think you make a very good point. I understand that the civil grand jury has to keep it confidential, I believe, on who they speak with. So I'm only going by what the report is stating. Maybe the way to do it is to just say that the the grand jury may not have been made aware of this information um, about the transparency that already exists. Uh, Okay, then on 
I want F8. Um, the city continues to overutilize temporary exempt positions. Uh, I think the response is fine, except I think the very last phrase um, could be shortened. So the last sentence. Um, However, the CSC notes that some departments are required to have a minimum number of employees in specific classifications for staffing levels, e.g. DPH, and departments also have a need for seasonal, e.g. REC, uh, temporary and or project term employees, e.g. PUC, MTA. In these cases, CAT 16, CAT 17, and CAT 18 temps are appropriate and aligned with temporary or grant-funded positions. I would put the period there and, and delete and should automate should be automatically approved if funding is in place because I don't think the commission has anything to do with um, approvals. So I would delete that phrase. Are we also doing um, yeah, I just started with the findings, but if you've got comments on the recommendations as well. Um, the recommendations. I just have uh, one. <laughs> recommendation two. Recommendation, yeah, 2.1. Mm -hmm. um, so the, it might be more of a, a comment, but. Um, it says, by July 1st, 2024, the Department of Human Resources and the Civil Service Commission should collaborate to modify civil service rules and city policies to establish a hiring timeline goal of 60 days from when a job posting closes to when the hire department makes a conditional job offer. And then the responses will be implemented. And then um, it says the CSC concurs with this recommendation including the development of a more realistic timeline. It seemed like we were agreeing to implement a hiring timeline goal of 60 days, which I'm not sure um, in the case of every classification in the city that is realistic. I don't know uh, whether we're just viewing this as a goal or whether we're trying to come up with something that is realistic. May I um, please call up Mowuli Tigbenyo, um, um, DHR's Director of Policy and External Affairs. He is the one leading the efforts on the um, civil grand jury report on behalf of DHR. Okay, uh, there we go. Okay, um, good afternoon again, commissioners. I think this body knows better than uh, most that we are uh, working very hard to um, revise our own internal administrative processes and partnering with the Civil Service Commission on rule changes to reduce the hiring timeline. Um, we uh, have been working through the responses to this report um, 
um, in ourselves. Um, we, this is one where we, I think, differed from the uh, civil service uh, commission staff recommendation um, where we had this marked as a uh, will not be implemented because of the 60 day recommendation. Um, of course, we are working as hard as we can to to reduce the timeline, as I said, but uh, that that is sort of a we believe at this point in time an unrealistic goal because we are, of course, a merit system and um, we're we're we believe we are competitive with the private sector, largely because some of the, the job protections that we provide, but uh, the 60 day goal is not something that we can meet at this time. Okay, um, um, go ahead. <laughs> so, sorry. So I was, um, I was just going to uh, see whether our executive officer had any comments on the 60 day um, goal here. Um, I was focusing on where it says collaborate. Um, just as we have received reports, reports from other areas on recommendations to the commission and to DHR, uh, I naturally will always see it as we will continue working towards that. Uh, and so that was my thought on will be implemented. Not to say that um, it will not happen. It's it means we will collaborate with DHR to see what we can do. It really it's what Mooli is describing that the department is already doing. Um, I would say that we should clarify here that what we're agreeing with is to collaborate to reduce hiring um, timelines. As um, you know, to continue to reduce hiring timelines uh, and to um, create a project timeline with deliverables for completion, and and in that way, it's um, implementation of the recommendation to collaborate on on a goal without suggesting we're adopting. We're we're saying the sixty days is possible. So those are my suggestions. Okay. Um, I have a question and I, I could be recollecting this incorrectly. When DPH is head of HR made the presentation about nurse hiring, is not that where the 60 days came from? Did DPH? I, that's my recollection is that she indicated that that was the goal and would be reporting back in the fall yes, yes, about sure. her having how close they've gotten to the 60 days. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not looking back at the um, civil grand jury report, but my recollection is that they reference the presentation they had access to that presentation and referenced it. So I think that that's where it came from. Got it. Yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah. But we've always had an aspirational. I'm sorry. I'm speaking. No, Aspirational. Goal of having 60 days actually has been the next day. You have a vacancy. The person vacates and that that's that's our aspirational goal. Mm -hmm. 
many, many years. But I think you're correct. The 60 day, I do believe, came out of the I, nursing I, report. Sorry. Yeah, I think there are a, a unique set of circumstances that allowed that 60 day hiring and Anna can probably speak. I mean, as you know, um, nurses are fully licensed by the state and and um, are tested to perform their functional duties. So we don't really have to do testing on our end. So, yes, um, 60 days can be something that uh, can happen for nursing. But, you know, just as an example, in my human resources director's report, we reported 99 days. And that was something from 210 days to 99 days. I believe that the nursing report said vacancy to 60 days max. And that has always been the goal that we actually have. And even with the, the reason we always have lists. Yes. Is that immediately upon a vacancy. You could actually get a requisition approved prior to the effective date of the, the vacancy. You can get that that requisition to the list and immediately have an appointment made. I mean, that's the whole, and I, and, and I hate to say this, but I think that, you know, with the, particularly with the nursing classes, we've always had that ability. Just uh, upon arrival, practically almost. Aspirationally, I, I think so. I haven't worked for DPH in over a decade. No, <laughs> I can tell you how long it's been. Um, Commissioner Salveson. Uh, when is the response due to the grand jury? August, oh, sorry. August 20th. But it's due to the mayor's office, I assume. Someone's going to consolidate. That's, that's correct. And create one document. That's the city's response. Right. And right. that has to happen by the 25th. Uh, the, the 25th of this month. Yes. Uh -huh. To the grand jury, not to the mayor. Is that correct? That's twenty fifth. Okay. Are we going to handle this by a motion or suggest comments be incorporated? Uh, my preference is to suggest comments to be incorporated. Um, there is some collaboration that um, obviously needs to take place. Uh, most of the responses um, have multiple departments that um, have been asked to respond. President Minor, I have a question for Mawuli. Yes, please. Mawuli, uh, the plan is to, once the commission has decided on the response, to submit a copy of our response actually first to DHR and the mayor's office. Once this is submitted, will um, Civil Service Commission be included when the mayor's office decide how this will? So there are, um, in my experience in responding to civil grand jury reports, either the responses can be submitted um, separately 
by each department or uh, they can be consolidated into one response. Um, and in this case, the mayor's office is um, offered to um, provide the response. Um, and so I think everybody would be on the same page and agree with the um, um, the our, our, our single response document that goes to the civil grand jury. So, just to confirm, our office will be included before it is actually submitted to the civil grand jury. Is that correct? You mean, what do you mean? Sorry. <laughs> As the mayor's office is looking at the response, and I know they're already working closely with DHR, I just want to emphasize that it's important that the Civil Service Commission also be included. So, we are prepared before it is submitted. Uh, what the final response will be, and if there are any questions on what the commission has submitted, that I want to be able to answer those questions to the mayor's office and DHR. Sure, yeah, I think um, the mayor's office, uh, I think, has already been in touch with our office, controller's office, civil service commission, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that they will. Um, Make sure that every department, including civil service commission is on the same page before those responses go in. Thank you. Okay, question. And um, yes, commissioner Salveson. So, um, if the response is due on the 25th, and we have a meeting on the 21st, I'm wondering if we can sorry, it's the, the 20th. It's oh, the due 20th? to oh, it's due. Oh. On, it's due to the civil server to the grand civil jury on the 20th. That's right. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I think I said the 25th and you said the 20th. My apologies. <laughs> I, Commissioner Salveson, did you have a follow up comment about uh, timing? I think that. Um, Yeah, I think the commission should be sent the comments um, that are anticipated to be submitted uh, once our staff uh, is um, has incorporated the comments from the hearing, and also to the extent there were any changes after that. Um, that those should also be circulated before being submitted to the grand jury. Then we just give a general direction that would be part of the general direction. Uh, to yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the question is, um. Can I attempt a, a generalized motion on that, to that extent? Um, I'm not quite sure, uh, Commissioner Salveson, how your suggestion would be implemented, you know, outside of a noticed meeting. We have no more noticed meetings before. We They could email it, but we can't, you know, comment via email. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually not talking about that part of oh, it. Oh, okay. I was going to suggest that um, or move that the uh, staff incorporate the comments um, 
that have been made by all commissioners. I believe that there's been no um, disagreement on the requests being made by the different commissioners. Uh, so, uh, so therefore, I would move that the staff do incorporate those comments into the new um, version of response to the grand jury. Um, want to add and uh, providing a copy to each one of the commissioners. Yes, copy uh, copies of those um, new responses should be um, emailed to the commissioners. And do we want eventually to see what the last report is to the commission to the grand jury that incorporates all the responses? I would like to. I would, yeah, I would too, actually. So I would like to we make a friendly amendment to. Um, is that before it's submitted to the grand jury or after it's submitted after it's yes, submitted? after submittal to the grand ju jury? So it's the final response from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and. So that would be one incorporate the general just general direction from the commission and comment um, to that the what is being submitted to the mayor's office be submitted to the commission and then the final incorporating all the departmental responses be forwarded to the commission after submittal to the grand jury. I would second that motion. No, no comments. Okay. Um, we, uh, Commissioner Crowley, sorry. With that, no, that, that's fine. I just would ask Commissioner Salveson to restate the motion on F2, 6, and 8, as she stated it early on in the record. So we have it clearly defined oh. going forward and your amendment or friendly amendment to her, if that's appropriate through the chair. Um, yes, to the extent that I can um, mm -hmm. recall, <laughs> uh, F2, the um, response would be modified uh, beginning on the third line instead of meeting will significantly reduce would be substituted meeting are expected to significantly reduce. Then on F6, um, this was a discussion, and my recollection is the suggestion was that we um, suggest that it's possible that the uh, grand jury did not uh, get this information about these specific um, reports that are public. And and therefore, you know, we do believe that there is quite a lot of transparency. Um, and then uh, the other one was on F8 to reduce the phrase at the very end of the passage. Put a to put a period after grant funded positions and delete and should be automatically approved if funding is in place. And then on R2.1, I believe the suggestion was that we um, 
concur that we should collaborate to um, determine uh, a prompt hiring uh, timeline goal uh, without uh, suggesting that we believe that the 60 days is a realistic deadline at this point without having collaboration to determine what is realistic. Um, so, Commissioner Salveson, would you suggest that the response should be requires further analysis rather than will be implemented? For R21, I think we are agreeing to implement the part about collaborating mm -hmm. um, to establish a realistic and um, what was the word Commissioner Betty used about um, idealistic aspirational. aspirational. Mm -hmm. An aspirational, uh, or maybe to to establish both aspirational and realistic goals. <laughs> um, I just think it's a complex um, situation, mm -hmm. given the fact that we have so many classifications across the city. There are diff different testing requirements, and different um, pools of applicants that really affect. The hiring timeline. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Commissioner Salveson, very much. And uh, Commissioner Favetti, you have second that motion. Yes. Okay, like second. We have before us a motion. I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. Um, I just before you get too deep okay. um, into the uh, motion, I just want to make a couple of comments. So um, there is an additional one where there's a slight. Uh, additional finding where there's a slight difference. Um, finding three, um, I think staff had that marked as um, uh, actually don't have it in front of me, but I think will be implemented. Uh, we have that as has been implemented. Um, I think and that's I'm talking about F3. F3, yeah. Um, that's referring to oh, R3. Okay. I'm sorry, finding three. Uh, um, yes, R3. R3. Um, and we, we've um, largely sort of implemented this recommendation. I think uh, there is a new functionality in our uh, in smart recruiters that does allow um, candidates to um, identify where they are in the hiring process. I think what we need to do is maybe uh, do a better job of amplifying that. Um, so um, just wanted to point that out. It's a small difference. Um, but then just a, a question to the commission. Um, if you're um, expecting your comments to be incorporated verbatim or is the spirit of your comments um, okay to be incorporated because there will need to be some um, meshing of the the uh, ideas and responses. Um, just want to sort of be clear on what the expectation is. Are you talking about just generally with respect to R three or uh, all of it? That all all of it. Yeah, I think we need. I think we're suggesting what we're comfortable with, and if there needs to be. Um, changing language, then we need to. Okay. 
And actually, I actually, in viewing this, did not anticipate that it was going to be only one response because three different departments. And I actually, when I was interpreting this, I thought it was going to be mayor's response, DHR, civil service. Uh, that's how I. So if I was mistaken, I've, I've never heard of a joint response where one department would then change another department's response. Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't characterize it as changing and I think it's um, sort of settling on uh, a response that both departments are comfortable with. Is up to the commission. We can, you know, happy to continue to work with um, Director Ang on it as well. Yeah, I, well, certainly the motion, it, given the timing, the motion states, um, you know, that staff will work and then staff will have to collaborate um, because there's not a follow up, there's not a commission meeting. Before the responses sure. are due, um, I uh, I certainly I've had a conversation with our executive officer about what the process is, because the way this was assigned, it was not clear to me what the process is and whether. Uh, the departments that were assigned the various findings and recommendations, if they would work collaboratively to come up with one response, or if in fact, you know, under the guidance of the city attorney's office, there would be three responses, and it's still not clear to me uh, which of those courses the city is going to take. Um, and I see, oh, Mr. Zareski. <laughs> Deputy City John, right. City Attorney yeah. John, given her in in yes. in Mr. Zarevsky's shoes. Yes. Um, the city responds to civil grand jury reports in different ways. Um, often, the mayor, the mayor's office coordinates among departments. It submits a single response that includes everyone's comments. Um, kind of as long as the departments all agree, uh, and other times departments submit separately here because of your timing. Uh, it's a challenge. As you've said, 1 option could be to direct your executive director to, uh, or delegate to your executive director, the authority to work with the mayor's office and DHR, uh, to incorporate your comments and if. She determines that your comments aren't adequately incorporated into the, the joint collaborative response of the mayor's office uh, that she's authorized to submit separately these responses on the civil grant on, on the civil service commission's behalf. Submit directly to the grand jury. Is that permissible? The yes, the 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 civil grand jury requested separate responses from the from the civil service commission uh -huh. or specific responses from the civil service commission uh you could 
work with the mayor's office to include your supplemental separate responses along with the mayor's responses, or you could submit directly to the civil grand jury. As I said, most of the time, the mayor's office works it out with the various departments, and it sounds like the departments are very likely close enough here to, to work that out. But to address your concern that your comments might not be incorporated adequately, um, you could give your executive director authority as a fail-safe um, to, to submit responses independently. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification about the process. Uh, Commissioner Salveson? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I don't, in, in response to something that um, Wally said, um, I, I don't think we're delegating any authority to the mayor's office or to DHR to change any of the civil service commission's part of the response. I do, I do, I don't know. I do like um, Deputy City Attorney Givner's suggestion, but I think maybe we can do that as a separate motion. Or do you, since we already have one motion and a second on the floor. Uh, that would be fine, a separate motion. So let's take up the first motion. Um, this is a motion to uh, incorporate uh, the changes that that's, that our staff will incorporate changes per this hearing into the findings and recommendations in the draft before us. That motion has been second. Um, oh, let me also do the timing and that um, the revised responses will be sent via email to the commissioners. And once the final responses on behalf of the city are submitted to the grand jury, those responses will also be emailed to the commissioners. If you have public comment on that motion and you're in the room, you may come to the podium to give your public comment. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. The roll call vote on the pending motion uh, regarding the responses to the civil grand jury report. Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. We have uh, approved the motion um, per the hearing. And now we will go back and um, that second motion. Uh, Commissioner Salveson, do you want to make that motion, please? I think the motion is that we um, we're delegating to the executive officer the ability to um, work with the mayor's office and DHR to incorporate the commission's comments. Uh, and to the extent that the comments cannot be incorporated uh, in a in a manner acceptable to the commission, then she 
is authorized to file the response to the grand jury in a separate document. The commission's response. Second. We have a motion and a second to delegate authority to the executive officer, the civil civil grand jury, civil grand jury, civil service commission, to uh, submit directly to the commission to the grand jury if necessary, um, because the commission's comments were not sufficiently reflective in the city's comments. If you have public comments on the motion, if you're in the room, come to the podium. If you're in the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. The roll call vote on the pending motion. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved the motion. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the discussion um, and the changes. And executive officer, you are clear about the direction? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Deputy City Attorney Givner, thank you for being here and for your advice. Okay. We are ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the ratification agenda. All matters on the ratification agenda are considered by the Civil Service Commission to be non-contested and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion on these items unless a request is made, in which event the matter shall be removed from the ratification agenda and considered as a separate item. Item A, review of request for approval of proposed personal service contracts Recommendation of the human resources director adopt the report, approve the request for proposed personal services contracts, notify the office of the controller and the office of contract administration. Uh, thank you. Uh, commissioners. Uh, we have before us the ratification agenda. Please indicate uh, if there are any uh, contracts that you would like to pull from the ratification agenda for further discussion. Vice President Favetti, uh, if you would give me the uh, department name as well as the PSC number. I have no questions. Oh, okay. Um, Commissioner Crawley. Uh, none, but one question I had was uh, changed at the beginning by our executive director. Thank you. That $4 billion one for window washing. So that, that's the one that caught my eye. Which they were part of that organization. Right. <laughs> and Commissioner Salveson. Uh, I have two. The okay. port, uh, 46531 2223, and um, Public Utilities Commission, 44438 2223. Okay. And I have none. Right. Uh, commissioners, we're, uh, we are ready for. Uh, I move to approve the oh, remaining uh, uh, personal services contracts that, that have not yet that have not been severed, um, and to recommend or and and to have them um, to notify or have the staff notify the office of the controller and the office of contract administration. Second. Thank you. We have a motion and a second to approve the ratification agenda minus two poll contracts 465 
4431, the port, and 44438, uh, the PUC. If you have public comment on the motion, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now, please. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Uh, commissioners, roll, the roll call vote on the ratification agenda minus the two pulled contracts. Uh, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner uh, Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved the ratification agenda. We will now take up the two pulled contracts. The first one is the port 46531. Who's with us from the port? Good afternoon. This is Carlos Colon with the Port uh, Waterfront Resilience Program Administrator. Thank you for being here, Commissioner Salveson. Uh, thank you for being here. Yes, um, I think there was just a typo in this um, summary form under the um, Section One B, where it says explain why this service is necessary and the consequence of denial. Um, it talks about a software license being essential for the library's operation. So uh, this this contract deals with um, engineering services for earthquake improvement project. So maybe you could just verbally describe uh, why the service is necessary and the consequence of denials, since I think there was a mistaken paragraph put in here. We can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to find that mistake so I can. I do you have the summary, the the document that was submitted? Yeah, I just had it, and then I'll close. It. Hold on a sec. I just got to put it back up. No, oh, it's uh, under description of work one. It's section B. I'm just having a little laptop error here. Hold on. Give me one second here. Okay. Okay, few notes. Were you able to find it? Yeah, I'm scrolling down now. Okay. Apologize. Thank you for waiting. Uh, I'm still scrolling. It's on the first page near the top.
Here we go. Sorry. Um, have it now in front of me. Software. Carlos, this Should movie we, is somewhere yeah, on the call. I'm reading this now. Yeah, I just um, I have to apologize. I don't this. Should we go to the next one? This, this section doesn't doesn't seem relevant to our project. Um, so this is an error. Um, Would you like to that, submit a, a correction and bring it back? Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll have to we'll have to correct this. I, I do have the project manager on on this call as well, who could answer why verbally right now, why it's uh, necessary. Uh, but we we can also just submit a revised version. Well, in order to to save you coming back and to get the thing approved, if your project manager can fill in the um, explanation, that would I think that would work. This is a, excuse me. This is Chris Horiuchi. I'm a, a project manager with the with the port project manager for this. Project, I can I can verbally answer um, the project. I can turn my camera on. Apologies. Um, involves an earthquake risk assessment of a critical piece of infrastructure um, uh, for the port. Uh, Pier 50 houses our port maintenance division, um, and in an earthquake, the port maintenance division would be tasked with uh, completing key repairs along the waterfront. Um, so without us. Uh, assessing and designing a retrofit for this Pier 50 structure, um, we would essentially be affecting the recovery, uh, post-earthquake recovery um, of the San Francisco waterfront. Um, this project allows us to bring on um, expert consultants in geotechnical and structural engineering um, to complete this assessment and retrofit design. Okay, so my, I, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and submit a corrected version with that new language for 1B, but since you've already provided the substance of it, I will move to approve the um, PSC uh, with the proviso that you do submit the corrected version for the Second. summary. Second. Thank you. Okay. Second as amended. We have a motion uh, and a second to approve uh, PSC 4653122. 23, uh, the port, if you're in the room and have public comment, uh, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. Vice President Favetti. Hi. Uh, 
Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved 46531 PSC 2223, the port. Uh, port, thank you for uh, being with us and please get the uh, corrected uh, scope uh, to the staff office as soon as possible. The second uh, hold contract was 44438 uh, PUC. Who's with us from the PUC? Hi, I'm Shandrea Hill, the PSC coordinator, and Chelsea Boylard is here to represent the project team. Great, thank you, Commissioner Salveson. Uh, thank you. I just um, had a question because your, um, your summary indicates uh, there are two separate $9.5 million contracts, but I, was, I couldn't tell from the write-up how the contracts were different or whether you're going to have separate contractors doing the same thing. Can you just clarify that? Sure. Good afternoon, commissioners. Chelsea Boylard from SFPUC. Uh, yes, this is for uh, an RFP uh, for two separate identical um, uh, contracts for our racial equity work. Um, and they are both as needed contracts. The idea is that there is a pretty substantial amount of work that is uh, needed uh, to be performed across the agency. Um, and we have a, uh, that description of work in section A kind of outlines uh, that pretty comprehensive scope. Um, and so, you know, being able to award two contractors would allow us to just tap into capacity, you know, on an as needed basis as enterprises across the agency um, need to utilize um, these services. Okay, so uh, it's just because you're a big agency and you may need um, separate contractors doing doing the work. Is that am, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I think the idea is that um, there would be yeah that 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 we'd have kind of two. Um, options for tapping into our contractors. So for instance, we have training needs. This is something that's coming up across the agency right now. If we have, you know, one contractor on who has either themselves as a prime or sub consultants or LBEs, you know, doing, uh, you know, particular training, and then we have more need um, that's arising that we would have another option to be able to, um, you know, to be able to tap into that capacity uh, um, as, as these needs arise across the agency. So when you do these contracts, are they both going to ask for the same services or are they going to have different services? They are asking for the same services. Okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, no thank you. I move to approve this PSC. Second. We have a motion and a second to approve PSC 44438-2223 PUC. If you are in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, please press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. Commissioners, the roll call vote on the motion to approve the last PSC. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. And I vote aye. We have approved uh, the PUC 44438-2223. Uh, PUC, thank you for being here. Executive officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. 
We are now on the consent agenda. All matters on the consent agenda considered by the Civil Service Commission will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion on these items unless a request is made, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent agenda and considered as a separate item. I will read off items 9 and items 10. Item 9, survey of monthly rates paid to police officers and firefighters in all cities of 350,000 or more in the state of California. Recommendation, adopt report, transmit rates to the retirement system in accordance with Charter Section A8.590.1 through A8.590.7, provide report to the Board of Supervisors. Item 10. Request to grant the health service system continuing approval for benefit related contracts for personal services contracts. Recommendation approve the report. Uh, thank you. Commissioners, any, uh, would you like to pull either uh, contract? Um, and I see Vice President Favetti. It's a very quick question on uh, the fire uh, or the. Uh, a survey on the monthly rates to police officers and firefighters. Okay. Having to do with recruitment and retention. Okay. So we will uh, pull any uh, Commissioner Crawley, Commissioner Salveson, any additional polls? Okay. We will take a motion to approve the consent agenda. So moved. Second. And it's a motion to approve the consent agenda minus uh, agenda item number 10. Uh, if you have public comment on the consent agenda, which at this point is only item number nine, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. I'm sorry, I'm I said in. none. It's, it's, we're, let me correct that. We have a motion to approve agenda item 10 on the consent agenda. If you're in the room and you have public comment on uh, agenda item number 10, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone and you have public comment on agenda item 10, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Commissioners, uh, the roll call vote to approve agenda item 10. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. Uh, we have approved agenda item number 10. Uh, agenda item number nine, which is a survey of monthly rates paid. Who is with us? Actually, it's a question for uh, Deputy Director Dave Johnson, I believe, actually, or compensation too. Recruitment and retention. And actually, my question relates to recruitment and retention. And the survey that indicates that San Jose is now making more than our police officers and firefighters. Knowing well that uh, there, uh, there was a number of years ago, or it wasn't a number of years ago, it was very short, a couple of years ago, that uh, San Jose was very concerned about the fact that their firefighters and, re and police officers were leaving their department because their salaries were lower than the others. Now our salary is lower than San Jose, and I was just wondering if there's any note that there's people that there are if you're having any difficulty as far as recruiting and retaining firefighters and or police officers. Um, aside from the data in the survey, which of which I'm not aware, I do know that in the last 
well, from May or March to June 30, we had 1100 applicants for fire department. Uh -huh. um, police, I think is on an uptick. It is. So I know they were, they were the conical was bragging out about a class of 18, which is good. It's nowhere near the 250 that used to be in at one time at the academy, but I think we're seeing mar marginal improvements. And so then I wanted to relate that to salaries and if there's more commentary about the salary difference, it, just to making sure that so firefighters, things are fine. Police officers, if there's any any note of any. Uh... Hi there, uh, Ted Wazinski from DHR and I helped prepare this report. Thank you and welcome. Um, so. Regarding the salaries for um, police officers, um, we have kind of a different salary setup than San Jose. And so this, uh, this survey is just on the base rates of pay and it's used to get a percent change from year to year that we apply to the retirement rates. Um, if you were to compare overall compensation, um, I think you would find a different, uh, a different comparison between San Jose and ours. We, use different forms of longevity pay and other premiums to uh, augment our pay as well that's not reflected in the rates in the survey. Okay, so I, I was just concerned about the fact that we were having such a difficulty recruiting police officers and it was zeroing and wasn't quite certain about how the firefighters were faring, but um, but I, I, would, I would just wanted to highlight to make sure that there's no draw to San Jose based on this. And so you're saying that we're offering other kinds of uh, uh, incentives that would allow for. I think we um, attempted to address certain issues um, with with the pay provisions that have been um, put into this newest contract. And uh, but in terms of the overall issue that people are seeing in the police force, I think that's widespread, and uh, we don't notice any particular movement from here to San Jose. Okay, thank you. And with that, I would move to approve. Thank you. Just wanted to highlight that little difference. <laughs> thank Next. you. Commissioner Salveson. I said second. Okay, thank you. We have a motion and a second to approve agenda item number nine, which is the survey of rates paid to police officers and firefighters. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Uh, thank you. The roll call vote to approve agenda item number nine. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved uh, agenda item number nine. Um, Executive Officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the regular agenda. Commissioners, if with your permission, I'd like to call up items 11, 12, mm -hmm. and 13, if it can be heard together. Yes, please. Okay. Item 11, proposed rule amendments to Civil Service Commission rules, series five meetings and hearing of the commission, article two hearings and hearing procedures applicable to all classifications, recommendation, 
accept the executive officer's staff report, incorporate any changes made by the Civil Service Commission, adopt the proposed amendments to Civil Service Rules Series 002 definitions, 005 meetings and hearings of the Commission, 010 examination announcement and applicants, 011 examinations, 011A position-based testing, 012 eligible lists, and 013 certification of eligibles in volumes one through four. Uh, so I don't have to keep repeating the recommendations. It's the same recommendations for all three items. Item 12, recommendation to adopt proposed amendments to Civil Service Commission Rule Series 002 definitions, 010 examination announcements and applicants, 011 examinations, 011A position-based testing, 012 eligible lists, and 013 certification of eligibles in volumes one through four. Um, item 13, recommendation to adopt proposed amendments to Civil Service Commission Rule Series 402, definitions 410, examination announcements and applicants 411, examinations 411A, position-based testing 412, eligible lists and 413, certification of eligibles in volumes one through four. This is just to provide an explanation who may, the public may not be understanding why we are listing all three separately. It was to show the public the commission actions for each one because they were heard separately. Thank you. Um, Executive officer, you will lead the discussion and cover the staff report. Yes. Um, I do want to point out that um, with the combined three items, there was a collaboration of with the Civil Service Commission staff, the Department of Human Resources, and the Municipal Transportation Agency in proposing these rule amendments to expedite the hiring process. Uh, discussions were, uh, the proposals were initially made to the Commission on November 2nd, I mean, November 7th, 2022, November 21st, 2022, December 19th, 2022, and January 25th, 2023. It was at the very last meeting that the Commission approved the proposals for posting and with the Department of Human Resources Employee Relations to begin meeting with the unions. As stated in the attached report, um, there were several meetings uh, with the unions who were interested in meeting. I do want to note that the notice was sent to all unions. It was up to the unions to request uh, to schedule meetings. Present at these meetings were, including the union who requested the meeting, were the Department of Human Resources, the Civil Service Commission, and the Municipal Transportation Agency. Um, since the unions did not raise any adverse impacts on their members and a report was uh, made to the commission, um, the recommendation is to accept the executive officer's staff report. Um, if there are any changes uh, from the commission to uh, the proposed amendments that were already discussed and publicly noticed for everyone, uh, depending on what the amendments would be, we may have to go forth with uh, the start at the beginning and proposing the posted amendments, unless the amendments made by the commission are clerical type of amendments. 
but we are requesting it for the commission's approval to adopt the proposed amendments. Okay, uh, thank you. Commissioners, uh, questions or comments? Commissioner Salveson. I have um, a minuscule number of clerical, um, they're actually typo things. Shall I just go ahead and read them? Um, they're in volumes one, three, and four, but not in volume two. And as you know, there's a defined term uh, in all of the series for the employment opportunity website. But in a couple of cases, um, there is a reference to the employment opportunities, plural, instead of singular opportunity website. So I'm just calling these out so those changes can be made uh, from opportunities to opportunity. There is um, one iteration in section 110.3, which is minimum posting periods for exam announcements. There is one in um, section 310.8, notice of examinations. There's one in section 410.3, minimum posting periods for examination announcements. And there's one in section 410.17, minimum posting periods for examination announcements. And that is it. So, and other than that, just good job in processing this through and getting it, um, having your meetings with labor and um, bringing it back to us. Thank you. Commissioner Crawley. Chair, I would say uh, it was a Herculean effort, breaking the whole parties together. I, I want to commend you on this. Thank you, Commissioner Crawley. Uh, any additional questions or comments? Uh, if not, we will take a motion. Okay. I move that we accept the executive officer's staff report, adopt the proposed amendments uh, in section, in the, Agenda items 11, 12, and 13 with the uh, clerical changes mentioned. I think that covers it. Yeah. Second that. We have, we have a motion to um, accept the executive officer's staff report and adopt the proposed uh, changes in the civil service rules as set forth in agenda items 11, 12, and 13. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now to make your public comment. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, uh, thank you. We are ready for the roll call vote on agenda items 11, 12, and 13. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner 
Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have uh, approved the proposed rules. Uh, looking forward to the report backs. The report back indicating expedited hiring. DHR Civil Service Commission, MTA, thank you very much for your work. Okay. We are ready for the next agenda item, which has been postponed. President Minor, would you just like me to call up the item? Sure, please. Record? Mm -hmm. Item 14, appeal by Eric Ellison of Human Resources Director's determination that SF PUC did not violate the city's EEO policy on denying appellant's request for a religious accommodation that would exempt appellant from the city's vaccination policy. Recommendation of the Department of Human Resources. The Department of Human Resources has requested a postponement due to pending grievance. We are now on the separations agenda. Item 15, request for a hearing by Amrom Eliskar, and I apologize if I mispronounced the name, on their future employment restriction with the Municipal Transportation Agency. Recommendation of the Director of Transportation, adopt the report, cancel any current examination and eligibility status. Future employment is subject to the review and approval of the Director of Transportation after satisfactory completion of 24 months of verifiable work experience outside of city and county San Francisco service. Okay, thank you. Um, who is with us from uh, MTA? Hello, commissioners, uh, David Garcia here with uh, SFMTA. Okay, thank you. And I believe I saw the appellant. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, very good. Uh, thank you for being here. We will start with a presentation by MTA, and then we will hear from, would you pronounce your last name so that we'll all pronounce it correctly? Elsakar. Elsakar. okay, Appellant Elsakar. Thank you. We'll start with the MTA and um, Appellant, we will then turn to you to give you an opportunity to uh, present your case and also respond to anything that MTA has said. Uh, Manager Garcia. Thank you, Commissioners, uh, for your time and started here. So the MTA hired uh, Amro Elsakar on October 10, 2022, and terminated his position during probation on March 25th, 2023. Uh, the reasons for the termination are because during his probation, Amro Elsakar, the appellant, was AWOL from work on March 14th, 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. There's also reference in the packet to an incident that occurred on March 6th. However, the reasons for the separation are related to the absence without leave authorization. And in fact, there was an incident on March 6th. However, before the managers could in inquire into what was going on that day, 
they set up an internal conference for March 14 uh, to learn more about and investigate that matter. And ultimately, the appellant was AWOL that day and continued to be AWOL through March 20th uh, before the agency released him for probation uh, for being AWOL. And that's the basis for um, the work restrictions um, that the agency is recommending. And the recommendation is that cancel any current examinations and eligibility status and his future employment with the agency is subject to review and approval of the Department of Human Resources director after satisfactory completion of 24 months of verifiable work experience outside of the city and county of San Francisco services. Thank you very much. Thank, uh, thank you. Commissioners, uh, any uh, questions for MTA before we move to the appellant? Okay. Um, Pellant, we're ready to hear from you. Would you like to tell us uh, the basis for your appeal? And if you have any comments about MTA's presentation? Yes, I already uh, responded uh, with a, a proof of uh, requesting for family leave and doctor notes. And I, uh, I mentioned that I already emailed my manager regarding that and my manager escalated and sent it to HR and I received that uh, um, terminating me letter later on the 24th. I never heard from HR. I never spoke to anyone. Not even my manager spoke to me. I just uh, was uh receiving this notice in the mail okay do you have any additional comments to make uh before we uh open it up for questions from the commissioners i just was hoping that uh somebody uh review my uh case and my situation and uh, hoping to lift this restriction because uh, my my daughter being sick and I didn't know what else. I had three other kids and for my dispatchers and superiors not acknowledging that my family leave and later turned out to be that uh, I'm getting all these AWOLs. And I have all the letters and emails and everything to uh, support my my case. Okay, um, commissioners, any questions? Uh, Commissioner Savison. Uh, thank you. Um, I had a question for the appellant, which is. Uh, I did review your materials, but um, I noticed that the uh, the notice from the doctor was dated on the 21st, February 21st, um, but the AWOLs began earlier, I think, on the 16th. Uh, so I'm wondering, uh, 
why you were absent on the, the 16th, the 17th, the 18th, the 19th? So the, the, the paper from the doctor that you're looking at, I got those from HR at SFMTA. And they told me that if, uh, if uh, I need to mark, uh, this is as a continuation for uh, me, instead of me asking every time my daughter gets sick due to her uh, chronic condition, so instead of me requesting sick, this is will just be there uh, for maybe the whole entire year. So anytime my daughter, her asthma gets triggered, I don't have to fill out uh, or turn in a doctor notice. This is what's told by me, return to work and HR themselves. And I did uh, give my manager email and ask him to sign. He never approved. And later on, he never notified me of anything. He just turned, uh, he never uh, returned back to me and he sent, I guess this is when they terminate me, but they never, I never spoken to HR then. I never spoke to my manager. Nobody notified me of anything. Okay, let me ask the question this way. Why were you absent on, <clears throat> why were you absent on February 16th March, March 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 excuse me March 16th so my daughter started coming ill but then I did have another doctor note I showed them but then they wasn't happy with just that doctor note they said if if you need to mark it as uh, I don't know the word but they said the I, I must mark a different word in a, a request for leave and then they handed me those paper that you're looking at. It's from the SFMTA. Okay, and when when did you, um, I guess the question is, when did you tell them you were going to be absent on the 16th? I, I told them on the 14th. And did you tell them it was because of your daughter's illness? Exactly, I did explain to them, and I did ask them to uh, to that I this is a short notice, and my daughter because I have three kids total. So if I stay with my daughter, or I stay with other kids, either or us one of the parents has to stay. But I did explain to them that her asthma after COVID, she uh, developed the symptoms; it gets easily triggered. And anybody around her that's sick could trigger her asthma. And she require a steroid under uh, emergency uh, room supervision. Okay, thank you. I have a question for Manager Garcia. Um, th this was a release from uh, probation. Um, I noticed that you did mark a disciplinary, which normally would require, and I believe it would normally require a process, um, but I don't think there was any process that abs um, other than what you would normally do in a non-disciplinary probation. And was there any other process? And thank you for the question, Commissioner. Um, probationary releases um, are not the same as PCS permanent releases that do require the Skelly procedures. In fact, our civil service rules um, don't require cause for a release. However, AWOL behavior and absence without notice is uh, 
a form of really not performance. It's sort of misconduct leaving the operation kind of in the lurch. And so it's disciplinary in that way. Although um, the, the fact that he was probationary means that he's not entitled to that um, due process that our permanent civil servants are ordinarily um, accustomed to. Uh -huh. I am familiar with the probationary rules, um, but since you had marked this as disciplinary, which normally would be a process in my view, um, I'm, I'm just wondering whether there was a process. And I think you've answered that, which was there was no additional process. If there was, then I suppose the um, appellant could have given you his uh, reasons for why he was absent on those days, but uh, there could have been a discussion. Um, but can you respond to uh, appellant's uh, statements about the reason that he was absent was, was because of his daughter's illness? Sure, thank you very much. And as a starting point, we should probably clarify the dates in question. Um, I heard you mention the 16th. He was absent from work on March 14th, 17th. 18th, 19th, and 20th, and March 15th and 16th were his regular days off. And so March 14th was a date on which his manager had scheduled an investigatory interview for an incident that had occurred on March 6th. Um, the employee received notification of that um, to attend that meeting in a formal letter. And then the day of, um, on March 14th, somewhere about 1 a.m., sent an email, which is in the record, um, explaining uh, several things about um, his concerns about safety and, and so forth from work, but then didn't come to work that day and, and never did return to work until um, at a certain point in time, um, began talking about a medical scenario. And um, unfortunately, none of the documents that I've seen before now until I've seen this packet from him with this FMLA documentation, um, there's no evidence of a request for leave. And um, as you noted, even the doctor's note is dated March 21st, which is afterwards. and. Um, you know, employees should submit foreseeable leave requests to their supervisors in advance. But in this case, the employee just didn't come to work and he's a probationary employee. And um, ordinarily we might um, have a more uh, due diligence process, a due process for employees who, who have satisfied the terms of their probationary, probationary period. But in this case, um, it, it stood reasonable to release a probationary employee who was just not coming to work. Well, he said that he did tell his manager that he wasn't coming in on the 16th because of his um, daughter. I haven't specifically asked him about the 14th yet, but let's just go with the 16th. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to his manager to find out if that's true? Uh, Commissioner Salvin, uh, the 16th, he has this one of his regular days. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah. So yeah. So okay. I, so let me clarify. Okay. Let me. Yeah, let me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Have you checked with the uh, appellant's manager to see whether he received notice of um, the appellant being absent on any of these days—the 14th, 17th, 18th, or 19th—because of his daughter's illness? And I have his manager here to speak to his knowledge about those things. Oh, good. Okay. Okanowich is our division manager uh, for this uh, division. Have his hand up. Must be the raised hand on the screen here. Yeah. Um, is that someone that Elizabeth can bring in? I just unmuted them. Oh, okay. Thank you, Elizabeth. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Paul Okanowich. I am the uh, Petrero division manager. Uh, thank you. Did you hear the appellant's um, discussion of advising, I guess it was you, of his, are you his manager? Yes. Okay. And, and Was did I given notice of his absence? Is that the question? Did, did he advise you of his daughter's illness on um, any of these days, the 14th, 17th, 18th, or 19th? No. Okay. I'm sorry, did you say no? I said no. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And you received no email from him notifying you? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, there was no notification to the point where we sent SFPD to his house to find out if he was okay. SFPD reported back to me, uh, I forget the officer's name, that he went to the house, he knocked on the door, spoke to the appellant, and uh, there was nothing wrong. Uh, that doesn't mean there wasn't anything wrong with his daughter. I don't know that. But, uh, yeah, it came to the point where we did a, what's called a wellness check on uh, on the employee because he wasn't responding to phone calls uh, and he wasn't at work. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'd like to ask the appellant to um, uh, clarify uh, well, to respond to his manager's um, statements and also to clarify whether he um, is contending that he, he gave notice to his workplace on the 14th, 17th, 18th, or 19th that he wouldn't be in. Appellant, can you respond to that? Yeah, I just want to begin. I'm, I'm just uh, shocked to hear that my manager denying that receiving any emails about my daughter. I do have a proof. I already brought up to him once before. He had my phone number. He could easily uh, call me himself if he said that he sent the police to spoke with me. The police never uh, came to my home and uh, he have my number and I'm just uh, shocked to hear again that he denied the email back and forth communication with him. But I, I had this similar issue prior on, and I really emailed him, I emailed upper manager uh, regarding somebody calling me from his phone number, pretending to be the superintendent. But I already wrote an email to him regarding that. I met him on the 9th, spoke with him, and I'm not sure if there's two managers speaking to me in the same time. It's only one manager, but I brought to his attention once before I received the phone number. I did write it in my notes and respond, 
if you review it and i did mention about somebody speaking to me pretending to be the superintendent or the manager but i'm just still in shock so if he denied receiving my email i don't know who responds to his emails okay we did I, I mean i did look at your materials i didn't find i didn't find an email dated before you know like the 21st or later there yeah, i wasn't able to bring because they told me that i everything will be public so they told me that i have to every time i tried to send supporting documents i was told not to because some of them uh, contain confidential information and i did it as the best to meet with the standards required by the civil service so okay i think commissioner favetti may have a further uh, I, I just wanted to clarify the, the email for the 14th. Um, uh, it appears that uh, appellant Alcazar, or Elsacar, excuse me, I, I apologize, Elsacar uh, did email, but it was to Eric Lavina, who was a management assistant in the Human Resources Division. He sent a copy to Jeffrey Tumlin, Kimberly Ackerman, Virginia Harmon, Sheena Dines, Amalia Martinez, and Jennifer Burke, but he never sent anything indicating that he was having a hard time, that there's constant harassment, that he couldn't go back to his workplace, but he did not notify his manager. According to this email, he did not notify the manager that he was not going to be coming in and it was for very different reasons other than the daughter's sickness. Um, so, um, based on the package here, that's where the clarification of the 14th email. But it doesn't say that he's not going to be coming to work and he wasn't going to be showing up and he didn't tell his manager. I mean, the way I read that particular email was that he didn't feel he could attend work safely. So, um, but I was trying to find out whether there was any earlier indication um, about the staying home because of his daughter. No, I didn't see anything in the documents at all. I couldn't find it. That's the only thing I could find that kind of indicated that he was concerned, but I didn't see anything that would do that would talk directly to the managers and the managers have to staff the buses going out. So they were dependent upon those calls. So I have another question for um, manager Garcia, and that is just uh, in general with release from probation, do you normally seek uh, restrictions on future employment? Or in the case of um, AWOL during probation? We believe that misconduct is something that should trigger future employment restrictions and that employees who fail based on performance reasons that if they can try again then, and, and improve, then they should. But the nature of this absence or this AWOL is, is not reporting to work. It, doesn't sound like a performance concern to us, which is why we would um, impose the restriction. Well, there was the earlier email about um, feeling unsafe at work and suggesting that he wouldn't be coming coming in, uh, perhaps awaiting a response to that. Was that considered as um, a possible notification that he wouldn't be coming in? You know, I, I did review the content that the Civil Service Commission sent to me that it received from AMRO, although I hadn't seen anything about FMLA uh, before, 
personally, and my team prepared this report. And of course, I edited the report, and, and of course, we had some discussion about a doctor's note, but we identified that the note was dated after the fact, and we identified that um, caring for someone might be foreseeable and that the um, human resource handbook requires employees to make foreseeable requests in advance. And also we evaluate these cases based on a preponderance of evidence standard, which reviews cases based on what's more likely given the facts in front of us. And one thing I noted in um, Amro's uh, request for appeal, there's absolutely no mention of medical concerns or his daughter and his letter dated May 24, which is a part of the packet. Then, of course, after he's seen the um, report that we prepared, then we, then of course, we get the um, this other description, which you know, I think sounds like you've reviewed the 19 uh, or 23 pages of content received, and I evaluated it closely, looking for any dates or any sort of plausible um, sort of trigger that would cause a person to be fearful, and I. I didn't get that from the documents. And so I didn't even see sort of an allegation that would cause someone to be fearful. And um, so based on a preponderance of evidence, it seems more likely than not that he was in fact AWOL, but that there are these other issues that, that don't appear relevant to whether um, he was in fact AWOL on the dates mentioned. Okay, you were referring to that um, email on the, I think on the 13th or 14th? The, email, the 14th of the March. The 14th of March saying that he felt unsafe and um, you didn't, did anyone reach oh, out no, to him? I'm to sorry, him? I was referring to the packet I received from the commission. The email on the 14th, however, um, does not include his manager and, um, and again, I I felt like I didn't see evidence that the manager had knowledge about um, any of this. And yeah, I unless Paul, did you have a comment about that particular email? But I I don't see your name on it, so it seemed to me that the manager didn't have knowledge of these things. We're going. On. Okay, he did he did send it to a lot of people, but. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any additional uh, questions or comments? Well, I would oh, just yeah. I would just Sorry. say that I'm troubled by this because. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty in the documentation and then the versions of events. Um, there wasn't a process for the for this to be straightened out uh, in connection with the supposed disciplinary release. So um, I'm I'm just troubled by this. Well, I, I was inclined um, to, in the sense, I was uh, that. Um, this seemed to be reaching a conclusion very quickly. 
Um, and um, it also appears that there's elements within the department that aren't coordinating. And I, I understand the importance of calling in. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely essential that drivers call in, and that's one of the most important gauges as far as how um, how Muni can, or MTA can deploy its uh, its buses and also get the staff for the buses and how that impacts all the you know the, the individuals who are taking the bus. That being said, uh, and that's why that that call to the manager is so just so important. But what does concern me is that, that we have these larger issues and there's all this unresolved, these unresolved issues and whether or not there was one part of the department communicating with the other department and that we've got this reach, we reached this five days and it was, um, um, in fact, I was wondering if the department went for a release of probationary period as opposed to under the rules to after five days that you're it's an it's an automatic resignation in a sense and so that there's a distinction between those two elements um and the and the resolutions to those two are which are significantly different um so i am inclined we cannot un, un, undo the the release and department maybe uh, i do not consider it to be at this at this point disciplinary though I, I would not want to consider this disciplinary. Uh, under all the different circumstances that have been presented and the possibility that there is there has been maybe a, a miscommunication within the department. Unless that's where I was going with this one. And with that being not disciplinary, then we would remove the restrictions. Okay. Um, any additional comments? If not, um, we will take a motion unless either the department, uh, let me ask, uh, MTA, do you have any additional comments to make? Um, Paul, do you have any final remarks? Because I, I wouldn't at this point. I think I'll do it for MTA. Thank you. I'm sorry, MTA, do you have additional comments? Uh, no additional comments from MTA. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank Appell you. do you have any additional comments? And I wish I could comment, but the time is going to take forever, but I'm just hoping for uh, the decision that's going to be in my favor because I am, like I've been said, there's lack of communication. That's why the reason I reached out to upper management and some of these people in that email did reply to me, but I'm not going to speak on that because I wasn't able to provide a lot of emails uh, as they told me it's a lot of confidential information I shouldn't. So I just was hoping for uh, justice in this because I did not deserve this. Um, okay, uh, commissioners, uh, are you ready for a motion? Uh, yes, I would move to grant the appeal and to remove the restrictions. Second. 
Uh, we have a motion um, before the commission to grant the appeal, thereby removing the restrictions. Um, if you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Sorrell, call vote on the pending motion to grant the appeal. Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. We have voted to grant the appeal, thereby removing the restrictions. Uh, MTA, thank you for being here. Uh, and uh, Appellant, thank you for bringing this matter to our attention. Uh, the restrictions have been removed. Okay, we're ready for the next agenda item. Item 16, request for a hearing by Marlon McPherson on their future employment restriction with the Municipal Transportation Agency. Recommendation of the Director of Transportation, adopt the report, cancel any current examination and eligibility status that requires a Class B or BP driver's license, no future employment with the Municipal Transportation Agency and the City and County of San Francisco that requires a Class B or BP driver's license. Okay, um, Mr. Garcia, are you back with us? Manager Garcia? Hello, I'm here okay. with my colleague, uh, Christine Kayak-Yab. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Commissioners. Uh, Christine Kayab-Yab with the SFMTA. I'll be presenting this. Um, okay, very matter. good. Thank you. Let's see if we have the appellant with us. Um, Elizabeth, is he on the line? President Minor, um, he is not connected. Um, so if he's not in the audience, then um, he's not. He's a no show. Okay. Executive officer, did we hear from him? We did not hear from the appellant. Um, Elizabeth, did we check to see if the appellant may be calling in? If appellant Marlon McPherson is on the line, please press star three so uh, I can unmute you and you can speak to the commission. No one is raising their hand. Okay. Uh, commissioners, how would you like to proceed on this one? Uh, Vice President Favetti. Um, I reviewed this case thoroughly. Um, it was Mr. Pearson had a last chance agreement. He violated the last chance agreement. Um, the reason I felt that the restrictions uh, in this case um, were reasonable based on the following or uh, the um, the uh, infraction or the behavior after um, that, that caused the violation of the last chance agreement. Um, and that would be that there would be verifiable 24 months verifiable experience outside the city and county of San Francisco. Um, and that there would be a restriction on um, employment with a class B or BP license. And that there would be required verifiable face to face customer service work experience 24 months. I thought that was a really reasonable recommendation based on the behaviors that were 
uh, documented and um, the violation of the last chance agreement. Okay, uh, commissioners, any additional comments before we take a motion? Uh, Commissioner Salveson. Um, I agree with the commissioner Favetti. I also read this file carefully and I believe the restrictions are appropriate. Um, so. Okay, oh, I guess it would be to move. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah, if we, we could take a motion, please. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. I would move to adopt the report, cancel any current examination eligibility status requires a class B or class BP license. No future employment with the municipal transportation agency in the city and county of San Francisco that requires a class B or BP license. What is not included in this recommendation is the additional recommendation that was there that Mr. McPherson was notified of. Uh, with the notice of future employment restrictions, which is verifiable uh, 24 months of verifiable face to face customer service work experience. I would like that added to the motion. Is that him? Okay, so we have a motion and a second to adopt the report. Um, if you're in the room, which would be to uh, to adopt the report. Uh, if you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Salveson, did you have additional comment? No. Okay. Uh, the roll call vote on the pending motion to adopt the report. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have voted to uh, adopt the report, thereby denying the appeal. Um, and um, there was an additional uh, restriction uh, added by Vice President Favetti that I think is reflected in the record. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item 17, request for hearing by Samwan Preet Singh Dalawal, and I apologize if I have mispronounced your name, on their future employment restriction with the Municipal Transportation Agency. Recommendation of the Director of Transportation, adopt the report, cancel and current examination and eligibility status, no future employment with the Municipal Transportation Agency and the City and County of San Francisco. Okay. Uh, thank you. And who will be presenting for MTA? Hello, Commissioners. Uh, David Garcia, Labor Relations Manager. And I have some subject matter experts from the planning section um, here to speak if you have questions. Okay, thank you. And I believe I see our appellant, Appellant Dalawal. Hello there. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, I'm here. Okay, very good. Um, we will start with MTA and then we'll give you an opportunity to both respond, um, but to also uh, uh, help us understand further about your appeal. Uh, MTA, would you like to start, please? Great, thank you very much, commissioners. Uh, MTA is proposing two, two future restrictions upon Sawan. Number one, preclude appellant from future employability and number two, cancel current acts examination and eligibility status. 
citywide. Um, on May 4, 2023, the SFMTA released Sawan Riji, the appellant, uh, because he gave dishonest responses to engineers when they asked for his status of assignments of signed traffic control plan, he was responsible for review. Um, those 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 instances of dishonesty happened April 20th, April 26th, and um, serve as the reasons for his probationary release. And given that the charge is dishonesty. Um, the new agency believes these are appropriate restrictions for that misconduct. Okay, uh, commissioners, any questions before we uh, proceed to the appellant? Okay, um, appellant Dalliwal, we're ready to hear from you. Thank you so much. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and uh, thank you for considering my appeal and letting me speak here. Uh, I, I didn't need the exact reasons, but when I uh, appealed, I was able to see the reasons for which I was uh, terminated. Um, when I found it was dishonesty, uh, I think it was not intentional dishonesty. Um, it was something that I thought I would be able to do it, deliver it within the time period, uh, but because of workload, I wasn't able to. Um, uh, that was the main reason. It's not, I mean, it seems dishonesty, but it's not exactly that. Uh, and also, um, my supervisors, they were aware of the workload and i and i i do agree that i used uh all right not i not used that i stated that my supervisors were also really busy or overloaded with work and that's why there will there will be some delay i i agree to that i will not uh yeah i, I agree that i said that uh, but i said that because in a lot of uh our own meetings uh, that we had this issue and this is something that is not um, part of an email part of a conversation it's just a verbal conversation and even when these tcps when i received it i received it from another engineer who left uh, mta uh, while i already have a couple of other projects um, but i still tried my best um, my i i'm wrong that i did not uh, expressly, I, I did not express that, oh, it is too much for me and I don't want to take any more of work because I was also being converted from temporary to permanent, so I was a little scared. Um, but also I would like to uh, let you guys know that um, just, I was on uh, temporary probation or very short probation because I was converted to TEX to PCS uh, from May, uh, my probation was from May 1st to May 5th and I was terminated on May 4th. Um, just before that, I took one week off, uh, and that is when everything, every, uh, all the things went wrong. Uh, I wasn't, I, I promised my manager that I will deliver them something before I take my one week off, but I was not able to deliver that. And I took that one week off because my seismic exam was pending uh, for PE. I passed all of their exams. Um, and and I, I accept that that was something wrong, but it, it it was not intentional that I would promise them and promise them and not deliver it. But it is something that ended up happening 
because of the circumstances. And there were a couple of other uh, uh, personal reasons because of which I was under little pressure, little stress. And, um, and that is also evident because I took some time off like three, four times before, like during half day or something, because I wasn't feeling well. But I was, I didn't receive any opportunity to explain all this because uh, right after my vacation, not exactly vacation, my time off, um, I came back and we started working on all those TCPs. And while I was absent, my supervisors uh, did a lot of TCPs in my absence and they did more than what they should have done. So uh, I was even thankful for that. When I came back, I helped them for the for three days, we worked until six and I was with them uh, working on all the TCPs. And even on the fourth, before I was terminated, I was working on the TCPs. So uh, I, I had no idea that something like this would happen. So, um, and even after this happened, I was a little shocked, but I have no complaint with my supervisor or with anybody else. But I, I just felt that I should have been given a warning, maybe since my, um, my probation was just five days. It could have been extended to six months or maybe one year, whatever is acceptable. But uh, a very solid warning would have been really appreciated so that I could have uh, fixed my mistakes. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Okay, uh, thank you. Commissioners, questions, comments? Uh, Vice President. Uh, some questions for the... Uh... Managers at MTA. Uh-huh. Um, I note that uh, the appellant uh, worked from November of 2021 until uh, April of 2023, and he wasn't being uh, transitioned to permanent until 2023 late. Were there any performance appraisals um, that were conducted during the time that he, prior to the time that he was being considered to be uh, transitioned to permanent? I guess, um, Mr. Garcia, do you have a. Yeah, I, I prefer for Brian to the, the person over that section to comment about those. Appraisals. Hello, my name is Brian. Do MTA traffic engineering. Uh, no, unfortunately, we had not uh, performed a performance plan or review for Savan. Uh, I'm not offering excuses. It's, it's our mistake. It's our error. Uh, we've fallen behind on a few of them. I'm working to correct that. In this case, no. Okay, so has there been any evidence of this type of behavior before? No, it was um, quite a shock when I heard it. So has I assume then from what you're saying that the appellant's work was satisfactory up until this point, or was it above satisfactory, or what? what was so I, I want to differentiate here between performance, you know, and. and this is more conduct. So I'd never seen any conduct like this on his behalf. And also I had not seen any, I was not aware of any performance issues on his part either. I'm sorry, could you repeat that again, please? I was not aware <clears throat> of any performance problems uh, with the appellant, um, nor was I aware of any conduct issues of this nature prior to this. Okay. Okay. So, and when he was released, he had been transitioned from exempt to permanent. So he would be under a probationary period. And one of the questions I had is under the local 21 contract, 
Is there any consideration for exempt employees over one year of service? As far as the grievance procedure or um, any other type of employment rights? Um, and the reason I'm concerned is that there's been a transition suddenly and um, anyway, the, I just wanted to double check if there were performance issues and issues like this. Why wasn't this individual transition to permanent? But so, it, my, the root of my question, though, is to the staff here at DHR. If you, I could not find anything under the IFPT a local 21 contract, but I wasn't certain because I'm not an expert in that contract. And I wanted to make sure that there was no there were no rights that an employee should be conferred after one year of service, even though they are exempt. Sean Sherburn, um, Employment Services Assistant Director, can answer that question. Thank you, Sean Sherburn. Uh, Anna <laughs> introduced me, but I'll do it anyways, just from force of habit. Always uh, well, to have your voice on the record. Yeah, your name wonderful. Nice to see you all. Uh, the local 21 contract, so I was trying to go back through the, this file for this record. So the employee went from exempt to PCS. Yeah, so, so EDP or for a category 18 project employee who has a year of service um, and their project came, they were exited from the organization, um, not because the project ended or they reached the term. Uh, of three years of the project, but they were just released. The person would get an option if it's a full release from city service to uh, avail themselves of either a name clearing hearing um, or they can take severance. Or what? Severance. So in converting this individual to probationary, that cancels that out. Entirely. Only for employees under the local 21 contract who are in category 18 positions. Um, that's what I was concerned about. Um, but because um, what does this, I was concerned about is the fact that this individual, now I'm hearing, definitely had performance, didn't have any performance issues. There were no issues of dishonesty. There is a sudden transfer over to probationary status when when that with that transfer that immediately cancels out any kind of rights that would be under the contract for a name clearing a name clearing hearing or as you were saying uh, severance pay. I'm sure the department maybe not have intentionally done something like this, but um, it's I it's unfortunate because now this individual doesn't have those rights. Um, so I am inclined, um, to be, and then, then had to serve a, a granted of only a 40 hour probationary period, which was a benefit in a sense. But, um, I think that after the year of service, no evidence of dishonesty and perhaps there was a misunderstanding. I don't think that there necessarily was, but, um, it seems to me that we need to reconsider the. The all city ban, which is I that's what I'm understanding this to be is an all city ban from future employment, both with the agency MTA and with the city and county. And so, um, I would be open to other options. 
Uh, Commissioner Salveson. Yeah, I had, um, I noticed also in this file that uh, even though this is a release from probation, it was also the, the department decided to call it a disciplinary release, um, even though there was no process for that discipline and there was apparently no interview of the employee to even get their side of the story. There's been a determination by the department that there was dishonesty without getting the employee's um, version of the events. Is, am I hearing that correctly, Manager Garcia? Yeah, and perhaps that's a, um, you know, um, again, I, I feel like we perceive this disciplinary during a probation as supportive of more as a classification for supporting um, uh, proposed work restrictions, but that the separation itself was, you know, um, released on a probation, but we've identified um, you know, dishonesty, and so we've classified that action as, as disciplinary. And so if there is a different meaning um, that we should be mindful of, then, you know, happy to hear that as well. Uh, further to Commissioner Favetti's comments, I would um, think perhaps removal of the restrictions would be appropriate. I would not object to that. I would move that we do. Do you want to make comment? Uh, no, no, I just thought. Was I would move that we um, grant the appeal and remove the restrictions. I would second that. We have a motion and a second to grant the appeal, thereby removing the restrictions. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. Um, I see a hand. Um, is this the other person with the, are you the other person with the MTA? Oh, uh, Cynthia Hugh. Yes, I'm, and I'm sorry. I can introduce oh. Cynthia Huiz, actual uh, direct supervisor. If you have questions for her. So what happened was that uh, when Salvin took the one week off, it just so happened to coincide with the uh, probational period. And when he took that one week off, his super, his um, my another subordinate, his supervisor. And I covered for him, and that's how we found out about the um, the lies that he kind of was um, telling public works, saying that you know he submitted, he had reviewed stuff, and he submitted to us, and that we were the reason why it was being delayed. So you know, he is kind of damaging our reputation, both um, Ghani and myself. Without our knowledge, the only reason why we found out at that time was because he was off, and that's why we were being in contact with the, the people he was dealing with for his project. And the reason why there's also the fact that 
it was just recently that he started doing a different scope of work, which was supporting construction project. Before that was more design project and uh, work orders that we we were you know working with him on a daily basis and on a weekly basis. And yes, we don't have a we didn't do a performance evaluation, but we were providing him evaluation information on a you know weekly basis. At least because I have a group meeting with my staff every week. And so my concern is the fact that he thought, you know, nothing of lying and damaging Ghani and my sorry, my life went up and my reputation to to you know cover up the fact that he has not been doing his that particular scope of work. And we have been asking, I did ask him multiple times every week, sorry, do you need help? Let us know. Are you sure you know how to do? You know how to review the traffic control plans. You know, let us know. So it's not that we did not ask him or we were not willing to support him because, like he said, as soon as he was off and we found out that he had all these TCP do. You know, Ghana and myself stayed until seven thirty, eight o'clock to to try to finish it up so that construction project could proceed. So you know, we we do have. The construction project has to be has a quick turn, turnaround, and he was aware of the deadlines for those TCP submittals. It is, you know, it's shown on the email, and there were multiple, two at least two different engineers from Public Works reaching out to him, asking him the status of it. And there was also another event when I specifically asked him. I said, I asked him to call Public Works to ask if we can solve a particular construction issue, a certain way. And he told me that he called and that um, they said no. And then later on, when I happened to call that particular uh, person at Public Works, and he he said that Salva never asked him. So that is a a direct lie. You know, I I depend on my engineers to um, reach out to the different agencies when I give them direction to ask. For information, they should be asking that information. He made the decision of telling me that he asked and he said that they couldn't do it. Now I find out later on that they could do it. So that is a very dishonest um, act. And the reason why we didn't find out earlier was because he was not seeing his immediate supervisor on his email communication. He was hiding the facts. So we only found out because he was off for that one week, and it just so happened that it coincided with the um, probation period. It was not intentional that we were we were waiting for that probation period. We had you know we had no idea you know about it until then. So I just wanted to explain that from our angle. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you. <clears throat> Commissioner Salveson, did you have additional comments um, in addition? No, okay. Um, we have a motion um, before the commission to um, grant the appeal. Uh, the consequences of that does not impact the decision to terminate. It deals only with the restriction. If you have public comment, you may come to the podium if if you're in the room, if you're on the telephone, press star three now.
President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, we'll now take the roll, roll call vote on the pending motion. Um, appellant, I see your hand raised. Um, we do have a motion and a roll call vote. Um, can you say what you want to say in 30 seconds? Yes, thank okay. you. Go ahead. I just want to say uh, what Cynthia brought up, like uh, the issue of uh, uh, that I didn't, that they mentioned that they cannot do it, but she said uh, to ask them. Actually, they mentioned that in a meeting just the day before, and, I, and I'm the one who brought that up to Cynthia, that they said they cannot do it this way, but then Cynthia suggested uh, you should ask them, maybe they can do it. But I only at that time, what I said was like, oh, yesterday, yesterday in the meeting, they said they cannot do it. It didn't mean that I said, oh, I called them and they said no. But I would not go into these things because these were just verbal communications. So I just wanted to clarify, like, there was some miscommunication, but there was no meeting where I could have cleared that up. So. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Dalawala. I, I we under, I think we understand sufficiently to be able to proceed with the vote, um, and the vote does not go to the substance of your direct uh, communication with uh, colleagues and supervisors. Um, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have voted to grant the appeal, which means that the restrictions are removed. It does not affect at all the decision by the department to terminate. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you to the appellant and thank you to uh, MTA. Thank you so much. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item 18, commissioner's announcements for requests. Uh, Commissioner Favetti. I just, we had a recent PERB decision um, that I have a feeling affects the city and county significantly. Um, and I was uh, curious about, or perhaps we could get a uh, interpretation from somebody on how the, on the application of commissions, how it may affect the, the, the responsibilities of the Civil Service Commission um, and other departments under uh, Charter Section A, 8.34. One. Oh. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> Commissioner Favetti, we're aware of that decision. Our office is looking at it. Uh, I don't have anything specific to report, but we are aware of that. I'm not sure if the time to pursue appellate review has expired. Oh, is that? Oh. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, I, I was just, I had just read, read it in the, at the mission local and I thought, oh, <laughs> interesting. Anyway, so that was the end of one. And then the other is that um, I'm sure that the executive officer is going to be updating us on some of the cleanup rules that we have. I think that uh, uh, Deputy Director Biaspas had mentioned things like, you know, the uh, 112 point or, or an Article 5, which is the um, the redevelopment. Scenario, which is no longer in exist, 
-hmm. and uh, others. And so just uh, asking for an update eventually, not right away. No rush. Okay. Uh, any additional comments? Um, I, I do have 1 request if, um. I know this is not on uh, Deputy City Attorney Zareski, um, but we, um, I understand that the City Attorney's Office is preparing a memo for us related to the use of closed session for appeals. And if we have any idea of when we uh, will get the memo and the presentation um, from the city attorney's office, I'd like to see those new rules in place um, before, um, you know, our fall heavier hearing schedule starts. Could I, could I ask a clarification on that? Mm -hmm. um, you were talking about the opinion, but then you talked about new rules. Were you suggesting that there would be new rules relating to closed session or that it would be something that would be considered or you know, I've, I'm not exactly sure the context. Yeah, my, my understanding is that we will get uh, a memo um, explaining when it's permissible for the commission to hear personnel matters in closed session and that the memo will result in the commission adopting some new rules for handling closed session. And I'm open to the fact that maybe we don't need new rules, but. We would need new procedures. Because we yeah. have the procedures that are point the, uh, the the procedures that are adopted that are part of the mission or the um, excuse me boilerplate language on the meeting agenda. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so mm -hmm. probably even maybe in there. So I I I think it's unlikely it'll be ready for the next meeting, but maybe by one of the September meetings. Is there do we have just one meeting in September? Is the is the next meeting the third week in yeah, August? The, the next meeting is the twenty first, and then after that, I guess, unless we have a special meeting, the next meeting is September eighteenth. I suspect it wouldn't be ready by the next meeting. Uh -huh, yeah. You know if. If we exceed that, no problem, but I don't want right. over problems. Okay. Thank you. Any additional comments? Hey, it looks like we're ready for the last agenda item. Item 19, adjournment. It is 5 09 p.m. Thank you.